Open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6. Again tonight, let me complete this sermon that I started last two weeks ago. I think it was on the lost axe head. You know, I'm uh, 77 years of age and I got saved when I was nine, so I've been saved a long time. And when I started preaching at age 18 back in the mountains of West Virginia, I've been able to go a lot of places and preach in a lot of places. But I've learned a lot of things, probably more things in the valley than I have on the mountaintop. Several years ago, I was in Colorado Springs preaching a meeting, and I think Nancy went with me that time. We took a vacation while we was out there. But I was preaching at a conference and went up on the mountain. Uh, and uh, we started up that road. What is, it, what is that mountain called in Colorado Springs? What is it? Any other... You're talking to me, we're talking to each other. Anyhow, this, uh, this can't, can't come to mind right now, any other rocky rocks. So we start at the bottom. Big old trees were everywhere. Time to get to the top of the mountain, little old nubbins, I was, I was over. The view was great. You mount up the wings as eagles, the view was great. But then he says, don't, you got to run, you got to walk, don't get weary. And most of life is not lived on a mountaintop. At least I, I don't experience that. Most of my life's been in the valley, and he's the lily of the valley. And the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The shadow, I didn't talk about death, it's talking about just death. It don't have to be just physical death, just the death of life, death of problems and situations that you encounter. I'm glad God's in charge of our life. As somebody says a while ago, makes a tremendous difference. And I'm glad for what I'm learning and will learn. I had to quit saying I have learned, I am learning. A lot of things, I, when I get it all figured out, I'll die. That's probably what will happen. Brother Beckham came by to see me the other day to deliver the intercessory Bible. If you were here the last time he was here, he was working for, he's been working on it for many, many years. Every prayer in the Bible is highlighted with a commentary underneath it. And starting in Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. So we bought some of those while we were here, while we was here. And uh, the pre-publishing price, they came out of South Korea. Beautiful Bible, and he's come to the office, he and his wife, and brought mine to me, and I appreciate that so much. And uh, so we sat and talked for a while, and then he left, and he called me back. He said he was over at the post office doing some work, and I said, okay. Well, then I was getting ready to leave, and I couldn't find my keys. I looked everywhere for keys. I looked under the desk, over the desk, outside the desk. Anyway, I couldn't find my keys. Well, while he was in there in my office, he had prayed for me to find three books that I lost at the house, three volumes of Charles Spurgeon sermons I cannot find. Now, I accuse Nancy of stealing them, but I don't think that's true. I cannot find them at all, and I know they're there somewhere in my library. Uh, three, so Brother Benny said, well, let's just pray about it. So we had prayer, and he prayed for me to find those three volumes. I hadn't yet found them yet. I went home and looked. I thought his prayer would be immediately answered. So uh, we're still praying. But I called him on the phone. I said, you don't happen to have my keys, do you? He said, well, I don't think so. He reached his pockets. Yeah, yeah, I sure do. I said, you pray for me to find three volumes of sermons, then you steal my keys, so i got to pray for finding keys now. And the Lord revealed to me that you have my keys. That was the answer to my prayer. So I got my keys back, and somebody had to go take them to him, or go go in and get them, because he was in line, he couldn't get out of line, going to lose his spot. So one of our folks went over and got the keys and brought it back home. That had nothing to do with the sermon, I just tell you. I'm glad somebody prayed for me. And prayers don't always materialize overnight. 
as soon as I find those three volumes, I'm going to call him. I found them. It may take a week. It may take a month. It may take a year. It may. T- I got things on my prayer list. I've been praying for 40 years. You say, preacher, how come God don't answer my prayer? Could be a number of reasons. It may be He's not ready yet. It may be He's not ready. Wait upon the Lord. He shall renew your strength and mount up wings as eagles. And sometimes we get in too big a hurry for God to answer our prayers. And sometimes He says yes. Sometimes He says no. And sometimes He's just sort of waiting for the answer to come. How many had an answer to prayer after many years? Raise your hand. Isn't that great? He hadn't forgot. He knows your name, address, knows how many hairs are on your head, knows all about you. He never forgets you, and I'm grateful for that. Let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. We read it. We've got about 30 minutes, and we'll talk about this story again tonight. The lost axehead. We begin with it last last time. But let's just read just a short little passage inserted in the Word of God for whatever reason. It's just placed in there. And God has a purpose for everything. Chapter 6, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, that's the successor of Elijah. Remember, Elijah went home to heaven in a whirlwind. Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight or it's too small for us. We need a bigger building, need a bigger church building, need a bigger study hall. Let us go, we pray thee, unto, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So everybody's going, including Elisha, down to get some beams to build this building. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried. That's a good verse. And he cried and said, Last, Master, for it was buried. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down the sti- a stick and cast in thither, and the iron did what? Swim. And the iron did what? Swim. Amazing miracle, and the iron did swim. He didn't say it floated, he said it swim. I don't, I don't know what, what the deal was there. I don't guess maybe that's important, at least it moved, it moved. Therefore said he, take it up to thee, and he put out his hand and took it. God bless the reading of the word of God. 2 Kings chapter 6, on the lost axiom. Father, bless, we pray the service as we open up thy book and speak for a few moments. Thank you for everything you had said tonight, everything that we've heard, every song that's been sung, the testimony from Brian. Thank you for every expression of your love upon our life. Lord, may you meet with us in a special way in the Word of God, around the Word of God, that we can be able to obey the Word of God. We love you and need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May be seated. Little story with great application. I said last week I'll not rehearse the sermon, but I wanted to get an introduction to it. And uh, this particular young man, probably a young preacher, lost a lax head, and he got concerned about it. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he said, "A last master fear was borrowed," and that reminds us of, his, of the reason why that he said, "A last master fear was borrowed," because I think the whole illustration is to remind us of something. The Word of God has application, has an interpretation, has an application. And the interpretation is plain to us. This young man needed help. He couldn't continue to do the work because he didn't have an axe head. He had a handle. Have you ever tried to chop a tree down with a handle? Have you ever tried to chop anything with a handle? You always need the axe head on there on the end of the, on the end of the handle. And hopefully it's sharpened. In some places in the scripture talked about you need to sharpen your axe from time to time. All of us need that. 
And so when it fell off into the water, the Jordan River, uh, this young man became concerned, began to cry out to, his, to Elisha, Elias master, Elias master, for it was buried. And I said last week there is the loaning of the axe head. That axe head symbolizes power. And that power is for service from God. It was buried. I have no power tonight to live the Christian life outside of that which he gives. You're just a walking dead man if you try to live the Christian life without God's help. And he wants to dwell in you, and he can, we can, he can live in you. You don't want to quench him. You don't want to hurt, to hurt, to grieve the Holy Spirit. You want the Holy Spirit to have a complete right away in your life. He comes to tabernacle on the inside. We talked about that several times in recent months. I'm glad he wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the more we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the more we can do for God. He, we don't need more of the Holy Spirit. Some folks talk about three works of grace. They come, first of all, to pray for God to baptize them in the Holy Ghost. Then they come back and pray for another anointing of the Holy Ghost. And they pray for various works of grace in their life. And I'm not criticizing those folks who believe that. But you don't get more of the Holy Ghost. Right. He's, he's a person. I mean, somebody said, I'm praying for Brian. I need, and his head start to get the head and then shoulders and, and then the rest of his body. I get all three of them at one time. I don't need all three of them. I need him. And so we talk about getting more of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit says, I want more of you. I'm the power to help you to cut and help you to do service for me. And so it's so important. You may have studied. You may have personality. You may have enthusiasm. You may have all the things that go to make a good student and a good servant. But the axe head is buried. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. We quote it all the time and need to remind ourselves over and over again. So be not, be not going, be let me get the scripture. Ephesians 5.18. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the first, 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 first? I'm having trouble tonight. Please, so you'll pray for me. What's the first of that verse? Ephesians 5.18. There it is. There we go. Be not drunk. Everybody say be not drunk. Be not drunk. With wine. With wine. Where is excess. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about that in detail, the contrast and the comparison between the two in that statement. But it tells us to be filled, which means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Somebody mentioned that in a sermon this past weekend, I think. And he wants to have all of us yielded to him. My biggest problem in my Christian life is yielding myself to God like I should. It's easy to talk. It's easy to preach. It's a little difficult because the devil is our enemy and he wants to keep us from that because he knows you can't do the work effectively without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the Holy Spirit's power doesn't come just because you are a Christian, uh, especially for service. The Holy Spirit comes to save you, then he wants you to surrender yourself to him. And when you surrender yourself to him, is to take the hands off of your life and say, Lord, here it is, take it and use it. Please, Lord, don't refuse me. Surely there's a work that I can do, even though it's humble, help my will to crumble. And you give your life to God. So every worker needs, preachers need to be filled with the Holy Ghost of God, all of God's people said. Teachers need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, all of God's people said. Singers need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Special music needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Organ players, piano players need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Those who witness need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. All of us need that. Need to talk to Him regularly and ask Him to fill you. Nothing wrong with asking Him every day, should, every day, fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. I yield myself to you. I talked to you about some men that I've heard over the years. Before they get out of bed, they yield every member of their body to the Lord before they ever get out of bed. 
Lord, I give you my feet. Help me to walk straight. I give you my hands. Help me to do right. I give you my eyes. Help me to keep them sanctified and purified. Help me not to look upon that which I should not look upon. Lord, I give you my ears. Help me to hear what I ought to hear and not listen to that which is not good. That your whole body be sanctified. The Holy Ghost loves to help us. He loves to help us. He knows He's the ability for us and He can do abundantly above what we would imagine. So the losing of the axe head comes second. There's that loaning of the axe head. He realized that it was borrowed. So he couldn't do effective work until he borrowed another axe head. He had to get another axe head. We can't work effectively because we've got a borrowed axe head. We've got to realize the Holy Ghost is there to help us. And when we lose that, and when I say lose it, we let it be weakened in our life. We let it become unproductive. And when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in our bodies for eternity or forever, when we lose it, it's a tragedy. What I'm talking about is your power. You're losing your power with God. Lord, I'll tell you what, I'd rather, uh, there's been some time, I'd rather die as not have some power in my life. Because when you realize your Christian life is all about Him, not you, and need His help, it's not what you do and what you accomplish. Sometimes when you think you preached your worst, you did your best. Sometimes when you witness somebody, you say, boy, I blew that one. You probably did more good than you ever thought you did if you was yielded to God. The whole key is being yielded to God. Let God take care of the results. He's what's looking for the vessel. I'll fill the vessel. Let me take care of the results. And sometimes if we're not careful, we try to manipulate or figure out the results that's taking place because we have the ability. I don't have anything apart from God. I am nothing. I have nothing. Never will have anything apart from God. Even my physical body is here because of God. And then I am being saved by the grace of God. The Holy Ghost comes to tabernacle in my body. And I am not my own. being bought with a price. And that price is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Was there a time in your life when you could pray more than you could pray better than you could pray now? Was there a time when you felt closer to God in prayer? I know you don't have to go by your feelings. Was there a time in your prayer life when it seemed like God was closer? Well, always there's times in your life when God seems real close. Sometimes God seems a million miles away. You know why He does that? See, God doesn't always come close to us every time we pray. We walk by faith and not by feelings. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So when I'm praying, then I've got to remember that God said, I'm with you. Or two or three gather in my name, I'll be in the midst. Well, if Jesus is there and the Holy Ghost is there and I'm there, that's three. But if you've got somebody else praying with you, even a brother or sister, when two or three gather in my name, I'm in the midst. And praise God for that. His presence is there. So it is when our Christian life, when we start finding ourselves losing power and becoming weak in our Christian journey. And the devil is a master at uh, throwing things in our path, as I'll show you in just a minute. But was there a time when you could pray with liberty, you could teach with power and preach with freedom? Uh, It's a battle that you battle sometimes in your life. And and I'm working on what God's trying to teach me through all the ordeal we've been through. I went to got a bad eye. Now I got a blood vessel broke, and so it's affected this eye. And I went to Dr. King this week, Monday I guess it was, and he said, let me look at it. He said, uh, preacher, you got a busted blood vessel. He said, what it is, it's broke up here, and it's going out, of, getting out of here, going over here, moving around. He says, you got to take this pill every day. It'll be all right. He says, if you stood on your head for 12 hours, it'd be hurting down your feet. I said, well, thanks a lot. That's, that's really encouraging. <laughs> you want to write that in the prescription or not? But the fact is, you realize your inability, how frail you are. I thought about 
If I were blind, could I do what I wanted to do? Could I preach if I was blind? I've seen guys do it. I should be able to do some preaching with being blind. I don't know if I learned real language or not. But if you lose your physical facility faculties, sometimes you're limited in what you can do. Uh, but God still can take a man or a woman and use them for the glory of God. Now that actually it's fallen into the water, the water of business cares. Luke eight fourteen, the parable of the seed that was sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and the birds came and got the seed. And some fell, you know, among the thorns in verse 14. And the Bible says that, you know, let's turn over and read it to be sure I get it right. Luke chapter 8, verse 14. 8.13 says that some fell on the rock are those which when they hear receive the word with joy and these have no root which for a while they believe and in the time of temptation fall away. Verse 14. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked and what are they choked with? The cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. They're choked out. What chokes us out? The cares of life, riches, and pleasures. So often it's in our own life. Nothing wrong with business cares. We all have them. But they should not choke us out of serving God and living for God. It always ought to be there every day of our life to please the Lord with what we're doing. You, when you go to work for somebody, you're actually working for God. That's the reason why you don't want to cheat your employer because you'd be cheating God. You're a servant wherever you're at. Sometimes we do things that are sort of on the shady side thinking it's all right because I'm not getting treated right. But you've got to remember that if, if you have a job, you're as used to work and I'm to work as though I'm working for God. Everything that I do, everything you do, it keeps you out of meanness a lot. It keeps you on the straight and narrow path a lot better when you just decide you're going to live for God. And when you stop and think, I can't do this, that God wouldn't be pleased. God wouldn't be pleased. Now, I may be pleased, and somebody else may be pleased, but is God pleased? Will the Lord be pleased? I think the preacher preached Sunday about that, or this week sometime. Will the Lord be pleased? It falls into the business cares of life, that which sometimes creates problems choked out, and cares of life, just cares of life. I'll be honest with you. I have never seen so many weary people in my life, and I find myself falling, sometimes getting weary and tired. But I've been reading the scripture in Matthew chapter 11, where he says, Come unto me, all you that labor heavy laden, I'll give rest to your souls. It's not talking about your body. Rest for your souls. When your soul's out of sync, it'll affect your body. Your soul's got to have rest. Got to have rest. That spiritual rest. And he says, Come to me. Not come to some book or some organization, but come to me. I am the refuge. I'm the rock. I'm the I'm the strength you need. And so it's important for us to do that. The pleasures of life. There's a lot of things you could put in there. I was in a revival in Hamilton, Russellville, Alabama years ago. And one of the deacons, he, he came every night to church. But uh, on the last night, he brought his coon dogs with him. They was out in the truck. And we was preaching away uh, after, after service. He said, Preacher, I hate to tell you, but having coon dogs out there. Because I want to go coon dog, coon dog. I want to go hunting as soon as church was over. Well, I said, well, at least you stayed the church was over. 
He said, I sure was tempted to go ahead and sneak out because I brought him with me to go hunting. And so sometimes, you know, you get things in the way, you get your mind on fishing, get your mind on hunting, that you forget what you're supposed to be doing on the Lord's Day. It's easy to do that. Just find yourself getting wrapped up in pleasure. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. That's not sin unless you put it before God. Anytime you put it before God, it becomes sin. I mean, God enjoys us to, wants us to enjoy life. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. I've, I used to enjoy fishing. I hadn't done that in a long time. I used to enjoy golfing. I'd like to get better so I could play Gary one time, just show him I could beat him on a good day. And uh, I never did too much hunting. I used to go hunting with Mr. Key. When I entered the family, Mr. Key was a hunter. He was a rabbit hunter. Had seven rabbit dogs. He thought more of those dogs than did his wife. He'd come down every morning and slapped his wife and kissed the dogs. But uh, I went hunting with him, and he tried to make a hunter out of me. And uh, I remember shooting my first rabbit. At least I stunned it, and I went over to pick it up, and it's still alive. I took the butt of the gun and beat it to death. I wanted to be sure I had one. Went to go with the, went to the house. And rabbits are smart. I mean, they, they know how to turn on you, know how to come back right where you're at, and so forth. But I, I hunted for a while. How many hunters do we have here? Okay, several of you. God bless you. God bless you. But that can become a problem. You can spend more time in a deer stand than you should if you're not careful. But business cares, pleasure, whatever, that, whatever it is that comes between you and God. Nothing wrong with pleasure. Nothing wrong with even taking a vacation. Because the Bible says sometimes you need to come apart for a while. Van Savner said if you don't come apart, you'll come apart. And sometimes you just need to come apart, change your rhythm, change your uh, way you do things, just rest for a while. Let your soul be refreshed. And your soul has a tremendous bearing on the rest of your body. If your soul's happy, you ask me why I'm happy, I'll just tell you why my sins are gone. Praise God, they're gone. When I'm not happy, I'm not productive. Because joy is the lubricator of my soul. If it's the joy is the lubricator of my soul, it's the strength of my soul. So if I'm not having joy, I'm not producing the fruit that ought to, ought to produce. There's something hindering that. So this axiom of power of service to be able to cut down the trees, be able to be effective to make a way and to accomplish what needs to be accomplished in life is so important. Sometimes folks, it falls in worldly living. They just get worldly living. Several of you in this, in this church has been down that road where you got saved and you got back into worldly living and trying to do trying to play both ends against the middle. You knew you shouldn't be living like you should or like you was, but you wouldn't give it up. You kept living in a worldly lifestyle. And the longer you live that way, the worse you got. You're searching, 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 but you couldn't find the happiness you're looking for in the world. Remember we talked about love not the world, neither things of the world. If you love the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the more we get ingrained in those kind of things, sometimes it's an evil habit that gets a hold of your life. Nobody's immune to that. There's a habit that grips you and grinds at you, and it's a tragedy in your life. And so it is we've got to get our ex-head back in the proper place. The indifference, just a great danger, just don't care. And some, there's folks who come to place in their Christian life, they say, well, I've tried it, it just don't work. So, I mean, sometimes you pray, and I asked you a while ago if you had been praying a long time for something. Don't give up on your prayer life. Don't give up on God. I mean, He didn't give up on you when He went after you to save you, and God still loves you. And the thing that we miss sometimes in our life is that God loves us. He really loves us. Sometimes we think God hates us. 
God never hated you, never has hated you. I mean, the love of God is a great attribute and He knows He loves us all. And we need to have that first walk with God and with the Holy Ghost in us because the fruit of the Spirit is love right at the top. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, meekness, so forth and such. There is no law. But it's sort of like a pyramid. It starts with love. And the banner over us is love. Behold how they loved one another. Appreciate what you said a while ago, Brian, about loving folks more to be that way in a church and individually with folks. Sometimes folks are not always the way they ought to be, but you ought to love them. You ought to love everybody. Love everybody. I don't love Brian, but I'll try to love him if he can somewhere down the road. Love's temporary. Just has a little temporary. But you love each other every day of your life. Just love them. You say they're hard to love. You ain't so easy to love yourself. If I, if I interview my wife, my wife in here tonight, uh, there she is. She would probably say sometime I'm not the easiest guy to live with in all the world. You know, I'm 77. I've only made two mistakes in my life. Nancy's 70. Where are you? 75. She'll be 76 in November. I think it is, something like that. Nancy's never made mistakes since we've been married. She's done a lot of dumb things, but she never made a mistake. And sometimes the differences draw you together. You know, I'm glad she's not like me. She's she's complete opposite of me. And the opposites attract. I love her today more than ever before. And as I get older, I love her. She put, I thought, oh, she's put up with me. Now, she'll remind me of this sermon. Yeah, I know what she'll do. She's writing notes down. And she'll say, see what you said? Do you mean that? You was right before God and all those people. But I do. I love her more today than I ever loved her before. And I, and I want to love her more. I don't want to raise my voice to her. I want to be kind and gentle as I get old. Because when I get old, I want to take care of me. <laughs> I don't want her slapping me around when I get old. There's all ceremonies for everything. But loving each other, loving people, is a key to Christian living. Just loving people. And boy, sometimes it's difficult to do that. The power of God. So, the last pastor, for it was boring. The tragedy was he lost his axe head. The trauma was he was a young prophet. And he said, the last master. At least he cried out. He cried out. He knew he couldn't go on unless he had something to help him with. And you sometimes can have trauma. You're diligent in what you're doing, but lose your power. You can work so hard you lose your power. You're working more in your ability. It just wears you out. It just wears you out. More in your own strength, it wears you out. There's something about when the Holy Ghost is directing your life and fills you, it works a lot better. It's like a well-oiled machine. It just works better. Sometimes we, are neglect, we neglect some part of our life. We don't work as we don't watch while we're working. He says, watch and pray. That's you not in temptation. Keep your eyes open. Keep your guard up. Always be careful what you're doing, where you're going. Be alert because the devil is a roaring lion, an adversary is seeking who may devour. Watch and pray, Mark 14, 38. Samson was a guy that probably is a great tragedy in the Bible. He did a lot of great things. And he was used of God and the Spirit of God came upon him. But on one occasion, when that tragedy came, the Spirit of the Lord left him. And he wished not that the Spirit had left him. That's tragic. Now in his latter days, he prayed for God to help him one more time to kill the Philistines, and God did, and his hair began to grow, and 
He was able to kill more in his day than he did in his life. But he went through tragedy after tragedy before that happened. All I'm simply saying is this. We may realize that the axe head is buried. It comes from God. I can't do anything without God's help. So every day I ought to pray, Lord, help me. I need you today. I need you today. I need you today. You're driving down the road. I need you. Your temper's about to flare. Lord, I need you. You're getting upset. Lord, I need you. I need you now. I need you all the time. And when you're going into the, the hospital to talk to somebody, Lord, I don't know what to say. I need, need your help. Somebody dies and you need something to say. When I go to a funeral, I have to try to think, pray. I don't want to just go in there and act like it's no big deal. It's something, what, what would God say? What would God do? And I'm not always the best at it, but I do the very best I can. And I want to please God with my life, and I think you do too. So I want to challenge you tonight to not only realize that you can lose it, but you also need, you need to realize that it's on loan from God. You need to relocate it. And when the last man of God went over and said, where fell it? He said, well, right there's where I lost it. Maybe look back over your life. What, what happened? What, what thing happened in your life that caused you to lose your power with God? Where things haven't been the same for a long time. And you just keep going and going and going and hope it's going to work out. It doesn't seem to. Something's wrong in your life. And the devil will try to pound you and pound you and pound you. And God says, come. We well, favor word, just come. Just come. Sometimes all we want to do is come. I'll close with this. I've heard preachers talk about it. I've talked about it myself. There's sometime in your mind and your heart you need to come. And if it were, sit on the lap of God. I know we can't do it physically. But wouldn't it be good if you could embrace God spiritually? Put your hand around God. Say, Lord, can I hug you? There was nothing more comforting to me if my dad or my mom in times of my life when they put their arm around me, their hand around me, and says, I love you. Everything's going to be all right. When I'm through some tragedies in my life, and when you've gone through tragedy in your life, there's somebody there who just has the right word to say. It's going to be all right. God will see you through it. But by the grace of God, we make it. We've got to learn how to depend on the Holy Ghost of God. He fills us. He wants to control us. He wants to lead us. He wants to help us. He wants to develop us to be the very best we can for the glory of God. And all God's people said, Amen. let's stand together, please, for prayer. Thank you for your kindness.